thankful that it never, I want you to grasp that word, never loses its power. Not on my bad days, not when I get that bad phone call, not when I'm sick, not when I'm depressed, not when I'm alone. Never. It doesn't matter my circumstance. The blood never, ever loses its power. We ought to rejoice in that tonight and thank God for his never-ending power. Amen, amen, amen. I am thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Thankful for the touch of God that has been upon this place today. Amen. I am thankful to be able to bring the word of the Lord to you tonight. Amen. And while you're turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, we'll read two verses of Scripture, verses 61 and 62. Luke chapter 9, verse 61 and 62. I want to start off tonight by saying any time that God is about to do something amazing in our lives, He calls us to consecrate ourselves to Him. Do you hear me? He desires us to consecrate ourselves to Him. Joshua told the children of Israel in Joshua 3, And five, this is in the NIV, he said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. But it starts when you consecrate yourself. God wants to know, are you in this completely? Because if you are, I'm about to be in it for you completely. If you're on board with me, I'm about to be all on board with you. And if you would make up in your mind you're ready to start really living for God, then God's about to really start doing some things for you. Amen. Luke chapter 9. It says, And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but first let me go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit to be a pastor, is fit to have this high place at church, this music director, the youth pastor, this position, this missionary. No, he said, I want, you, I want to make this very clear to you. Any man having put his hand to the plow And looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Tonight for my message, I pose to you this question. Are you committed? I'm not talking about your neighbor beside you for you to elbow and ask them, hey, are you committed? I'm talking to you tonight. Parents, I'm not asking you to talk to your kids and your young people and ask them tonight if they're committed. And young people and kids, I'm not asking you to ask mom and dad if they're committed. Tonight, this is personal. I am asking you, are you committed? Are you ready? Are you truly ready for that next step? That God is beckoning us to. Are you really ready to go deeper?
Are you committed? Father, tonight we thank you for your presence we feel in this place. God, I pray right now that you would anoint these lips of clay. God, that I would deliver your word tonight. God, and that you would speak to somebody. God, that you would challenge us and shake us from our place of complacency. God, that we would see there is more that is yet before us. Stir something in me, God, that would not be content, Lord, with just common Sunday night church. But God, that I would recommit myself before I leave tonight. That when I am asked the question, are you committed? That I would answer, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I am fully committed to you. I am ready to do exploits. I am ready, oh God, to serve you with my whole heart. Have your way in this place tonight, God, and touch every heart and soul in the name of Jesus. We pray and everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're seated tonight. It is said that Colonel William Travis, the commander of the Alamo Defense Forces, in the waning days of the battle, having the Alamo completely surrounded, Santa Anna had sent a message to Travis demanding surrender, or else everyone in the compound would be killed. And according to the study, they say that Travis called the Alamo defenders together, and he explained to them... That defeat was almost certain. And then he read that letter of surrender to those men. And they said that Travis then having chosen to die instead of surrender. Reportedly pulled his battle sword and he used it to draw a line in the sand. And he said to those men, if you would join me. And when asking for volunteers to cross over the line and join him. Understanding their decision would be irreversible. Understanding that their commitment could mean their entire life and the end of them. They said that all but one of them joined Travis on the other side of the line. They were all but one completely committed to the cause. They all but one were willing to give up everything to say this is worth Dying for. But you see that word commitment. It means something. The word commitment. Whether our world wants to acknowledge it or not. It really means something. But you see our world has told us it doesn't matter. That when we make a commitment in marriage. We might as well just consider them another boyfriend or girlfriend. And when things don't work. We can just dump them like we did our old girlfriend. Commitment doesn't mean anything to parents that promise something to their children and and they don't fulfill that promise just because, well, they're kids. It doesn't really matter. There's no such thing as a good old boy handshake anymore. There's no such thing as taking a man at his word when he says, I will agree to this. In fact, even contracts have loopholes for both parties. Courts go over all of these cases because people are fighting back and forth because somebody found a loophole. Somebody didn't read the fine print. Somebody didn't understand, though you made a commitment, that commitment was not really anything. But you see, that commitment means something. Commitment means feeling dedication. 
and loyalty to a cause. It was a young shepherd boy who stepped out on the battlefield and, and, and with courage said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for all of this? It is to carry out. It is to pledge or bind. That's what commitment is. It is a pledge. It is a dedication. It is a promise that says I am willing to do what it is I've said I will do. There once was a coach who had a a lineman that had just been letting the defense break through all night long. The running back couldn't do anything. The quarterback couldn't do anything. And in the coach's frustration, he went to one of the boys on the bench and he said, man, we have been getting creamed all night. That's your position. Now tell me, what would you do? What do you think we should do? And that young man so excitedly got up and he said, I think we need to get some grit in us. I think we need to push back against everything that's been pushing up against us. I think we ought to get some attitude back in us and say, you're not pushing us around. We're here. This is our home turf and we're going to have your way. Onlookers see the excitement as, as you just experienced. And no doubt we feel the same way in our mind and in our spirit and the coach coaches they're getting excited and he says that's what I'm talking about that's the kind of energy I'm looking for now what are you going to do and he said well coach I think I'll just slide on that side of the bench so I can get a better view but you see that young man did not realize that his coach was giving him that opportunity to see that passion that you say you have the passion that you're, you're fighting with right now with your words. Can you back them out on the field? When God is saying, I want to know, are you for real? What are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to push back. I'm going to fight. I'm going to stand up against everything that's been coming at me. And God's saying, all right, now what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to just sit on the pew and I'm going to wait until we just have this blowout and somebody comes lay hands on me and, and I'm waiting on pastor to come lay hands on me because that's where all the power's at and I'm waiting on something supernatural to happen and the Shekinah glory to fall in that place. And God said, no, I, I'm talking to you right now. What are you going to do? What are you going to contribute? If you want to see change and you want to see revival and you want to see breakthrough and you want to see victory, I want to know, are you committed to this? Or are you content sitting on the bench watching everyone else do it? I'm looking for some commitment tonight for some soldiers ready to go to battle for the Lord. And I want to know tonight, are you committed? In our text tonight, Jesus encountered three could have been disciples. Earlier in the text, the Bible says that there was one who was over eager to follow Jesus. What do I have to do to follow you? I'm ready. I'm committed. I'm, I'm ready to buy in and, and, and do this for you, God. And Jesus did not hold back any punches. Jesus didn't sugarcoat it for him and say, man, living for me, there, it, there's no problems, no sickness, no loss. No, Jesus said, I, I want to be very real with you before you get too involved. I want to make sure you understand what you're agreeing to before you say yes. I want you to understand it is worth it. Oh, it is so worth it, but I want you to understand before you commit. Because I sense there's some hesitancy here. William Barclay said, we have done great hurt to the church by letting people think that church membership 
need not make much difference. When we ought to tell them it makes all the difference in the world. You being involved matters. You participating matters. You coming with your mind made up ready to have church matters. When we say, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to clap my hands. It matters that you came to clap your hands. It matters that you come to leap for joy. It matters that you come to participate when you show up to the house of God. It matters that you teach Sunday school. It matters that you fill that prayer room before service. Your involvement Matters. It means something. He said, telling them the importance up front, though, we might have fewer people. Oh, but those we had, he said, would be really pledged to Christ. If we told everybody up front, look, it's not all cupcakes and rainbows and butterflies and happy things. But there's days we have war. There's days we struggle. There's days we feel like our prayers aren't leaving the the room that we are in. But I'm telling you, if you would buy into this, if you would commit to this, I'm telling you it would transform your life. What was he saying? He's saying you being here, you being involved, you being sold out, you're participating, you're being a member to the body means more to this world than you even realize. Sure, it comes with cost, but what you get in return makes all the difference in the world. Mark Batterson said, we have cheapened the gospel by allowing people to buy in without selling out. This is not a risk-free guarantee contract. He's telling somebody up front, I want you to know what you're getting yourself into And I want you to know there's going to be trouble. But I want to also tell you tonight, you're going to have trouble whether you live for God or you don't live for God. You're going to have lost loved ones whether you live for God or you don't live for God. It's going to rain on you if you live for God or you don't live for God. And I'm here to tell you tonight, I would rather live for God through the hurt. I would rather serve God through all the insanity and all the trouble and know that He goes before me and that He's fighting with me than to know that I'm having to do it all by myself. Jesus said, listen, the foxes, they're taken care of. The birds, they have nests that they can sleep in. But I want you to know, even I don't have a place to lay my head. So I want you to know before you sign up for this, what it's looking like. I want you to know there's no guarantee of accolades. I want you to understand there's no guarantee of paychecks. I don't even have a place to lay my head. I don't have a place to lay my head. Now, could you imagine tonight with me, you going and sitting down for a job interview? And you're sitting there ready to get to work. You're, you're ready. And that guy sitting across the table says, well, bub, I want to tell you something. We want you to come work for us. We want you to labor. We want you to give of yourself day in and day, day out. I want you to contribute. I want you to be a part of the team. But I can't promise you a paycheck. There's going to be days where you probably don't even have somewhere to sleep. You probably don't even have food provided for you. How many of you would stay for that interview? Not any of us. Because we want something in return. We want something given back to me. See, we don't mind committing when the getting's good. 
We don't mind committing when blessings are flowing and we're living our best life. We don't mind committing when there are guarantees. But God is telling someone tonight, do you believe in this cause enough? That even when I cannot guarantee you all of those things. That even when I cannot guarantee you, you will not hurt. Even when I cannot guarantee you, you're going to live the blessed life that the world tells you you can have. Even when I can't promise you all of those things. Do you believe in what I'm doing enough that you would be willing to leave everything behind and say, God, I am all in. I buy into whatever you're doing. God, I am committing myself to the call. I'm committing myself to the cause God and it's worth every day even when I can't tell you opposition will not rise I can't promise you anything now oh but for those of you that do sign up rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven you may not see it right here and right now But for those of you that sign up to participate in this program, there's going to come a day where you're going to walk on streets of gold and you're going to say, thank God I committed. Thank God I gave a little bit then so I could have everything now. Thank God I gave some then so that I can get it all now. Thank God I committed. This job may not have dollar bills attached to it, but the psalmist said, it sure has great benefits. He said, don't forget all of his benefits. Hear me tonight, those benefits are great. Those benefits of living for him and serving him are wonderful. There's some people here tonight that can testify that says living for God has been the best decision I have ever made. There have been hard days. There have been troubling days. But the benefits that come with this program are second to none. It's the very best life. It's worth every hardship. It's worth every storm and every struggle to know that God is with me and that grace is available. The second one wished to delay following Jesus to attend to family obligations. But Jesus' urgent call had to take precedent. Obligations will always be available. Obligations will always be present. And fulfilling obligations is not always wrong. You doing your duty and you doing your job is not always wrong. But when those chores take precedent over the call... I'm not truly committed. We do not like when God delays. God, you're taking too long. God, you're, you're, you're leaving me hanging here. But reading this passage of Scripture, you find three men that sometimes resemble us a little bit. And we sure like to delay God and leave Him hanging. Well, hold, hold on, God. I, I want to come. I want to follow you. But first, let me, go, let me go do this. And when God says, well, you hold on... Telling me to hold on. I've been holding on. We don't like God to delay, but I wonder how he feels about us delaying. You find this last one. He wished to say goodbye to his family first. His heart was on things behind him. Jesus, in essence, tells him, Look, I accept no lukewarm service. I want you to understand the severity of what you're about to partake in. 
because it is so vital and so important. It costs you nothing, but it demands your all. But hear me, you will always get back more than you had to give up. Now the choice is up to you. I'm not forcing you. I'm not telling you you have to do this. But I am just telling you, if you do this, this is what it's going to look like. But it's important what you're about to partake in. We are talking kingdom things. I need to know tonight with these kingdom things, are you committed? Are you committed to what I am about to ask of you? Are you committed to me calling you and telling you I need you on a foreign mission field? Are you committed to me calling you and telling you there's a Sunday school classroom with your name on it that needs your voice and needs your guidance? Are you committed to the call tonight for my kingdom that would say I need a preacher, I need a voice to go into that city to be my word? I need to know tonight that you believe in me and you believe in my purpose so much that you are willing to commit to the unknown. That you are willing to kiss that old life goodbye. That you're willing to really say goodbye to the old things and the old way and say, I'm not going back that direction anymore. We like kingdom work when we get to live like kings. We like kingdom work when we get to live in the castle. We like kingdom work because, let's be honest, we really do like working for the Lord. We like serving God. We like contributing. We like knowing that we did something that helped our brother and our sister and our church family. And that's all great and that's wonderful that we like doing a work for God. We like our hands being on the plow. But hear me tonight, plowing is important work. Plowing is not just something we do aimlessly to waste time. Plowing is vital to the kingdom. Jesus said if you're going to put your hands on it, I need you to know that when you do that, you are committing. It's about to get really serious when you put your hand on that plow. Hands on is great. Hands on is necessary. But God's saying, hold on, I want you to understand. If your heart is not in it, it does not matter that your hand is on it. If your heart is not in the purpose and the work you are doing for God, it doesn't matter that you put your hand to the plow. It doesn't matter that you went and touched it and you did a little work. God's saying, I want you to know it's more than just getting your hand on it. It's getting your heart in it and saying, I'm ready to commit. I'm ready to give my all. I'm ready to get passionate about this work that I am doing for God. I imagine plowing that way was no easy task. There may be some of you in here tonight that's had to plow some fields like that. Laboring, giving everything you got. Maybe some of you in the spiritual, in your walk with God, you have done some things for God that when you started off, man, it was so wonderful. It was so good. You were thankful just to have the plow in your hands. You felt 
a responsibility. You felt such a great calling knowing that you were working for God and that you were serving your church and your community. And you started off with such passion and such zeal. What can I do for you, God? I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll serve you any way that I can. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I want to volunteer. I want to serve. And God said, okay, well, why don't you help me plow? Yes, sir, I'll be glad to. And you marched over there and you put your hand to the plow and you started pushing along. You started teaching that Sunday school class. You started ushering. You started greeting. You started serving with sound and media. You started doing a work for the Lord. But somewhere down the way, you started saying, am I done yet? It's getting late. I should probably call it quits and come back. Uh, let's say never. Ooh, what a workout. I'm getting a little worn down. How, how much longer are we going to keep doing it like? Shouldn't this be enough? And you're asking all of those things and maybe you're not even getting a response. God, do you hear me? I said, how much longer do I have to keep doing this? How much longer am I going to have to keep plowing? How much longer am I doing this? Day one was easy. But now here I am many years later. And man, before I committed to this, I didn't, I didn't have to pray this much. Before I committed like this, I didn't have to fast like this. Before I made that commitment at the altar that night and said, God, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I didn't realize this is what that looked like. And now, now there's that part of me that's, that's looking back over my shoulder of where I used to be and, and realize, man, I sure miss those good old days. I, I miss before when I committed and I, I didn't have to really show up until right at church time. Remember those times where we were able to come and sit on a pew and just be fed? Jesus said, listen, I want you to know tonight. I want you to know that when you put your hand to the plow and you're looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. I'm wanting some people to get serious about living for me again. That are ready to commit again and say, God... I put my hand on the plow and, and I'll admit there's been days that I look back and I wish, oh, I hadn't done this. But God, I really do want to serve you. I really do want to please you. I really do want to do something great for your kingdom. I, I really do want to see revival in our church and I want to be a part of it. Jesus said, I want to know, are you committed to the purpose? Or are you just committed to that photo op with the plow? To say, oh look, I, I contributed a little bit. I put my hand to the plow. God said, no, I want, I want you to be about the purpose of the plow. Because you can tell the difference of somebody plowing and somebody plowing with purpose. I can tell the difference when I hear somebody praying and when I hear somebody praying with purpose. I can tell the difference when somebody says they're on a fast and when somebody is fasting with purpose. You see, we have enough Christians and enough people out there wearing WWJD bracelets claiming to carry the name of the Lord around them and carrying a, a plow around them with, with their, everywhere they go showing people all this stuff they're doing and posting and videoing about it on Instagram and showing all this work that they're doing. 
But God is saying it's not just about the plow. You're missing it. There is a purpose that comes with this plow. There is a purpose that comes with this work. There is a purpose in your commitment to God. It is so important to have purpose in your heart. When you're plowing with purpose, you realize my plowing is not a waste of time. When you're plowing with purpose, you're not worried about when it's over. When you're plowing with purpose, you're not worried about you being weak and tired and weary. You're saying, I've got to finish. I've got to keep going. My eyes are fixed. My eyes are set. And I'm not stopping until my time is up. I'm not stopping until God says it's done. My work's not over until God says it's over. I'm going to keep doing everything I can. Because before I can plant the seeds, somebody's got to plow. Before the water needs to fall, somebody's got to plow. Before we get the harvest, somebody's got to plow. But when I keep looking back, I not only will begin to get my life out of line, but I potentially will mess up some stuff I've already done. I will mess up some rows that I've already worked out nicely when I had my eyes fixed. And I had my mind made up. But then I looked back for just a moment and then I went over all that. That I had just done. I will be running into obstacles I otherwise would have been able to avoid. But because I got distracted and because I got discouraged, I detoured down a path that took me away from my destiny. In 1 Kings 19, God tells Elijah, I want you to go and find the man that's going to fill your shoes. And I want you to go find him. And I want you to let him know his time is coming. And when he finds him, he finds him doing what? Plowing. And he finds him laboring. And he finds him working. And Elijah walks by and puts that mantle upon him. And keeps on walking. And Elisha, similar to the one in our text tonight, said, Hold on, hold on, let me go home first and tell my family goodbye. But then, but then I'm going to come back and I'm going to follow you. Now Elijah could have said, No, nope, you're going back. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. You're, you're, you're distracted. You're going back to the things of the past. But I believe tonight that when Elijah placed that mantle Upon Elisha. That there was something so deep that stirred inside Elisha. And when he opened his eyes and he looked up. Elijah noticed something on his face. That purpose. That purpose that says hold on. I'm going to do this. But I understand it's not just about the plow. I sense there's something greater. I sense something when you touch me with that mantle that there is a greater responsibility for me to be a prophet for the Most High. I sense something deep down inside of me. So now let me go home to my mom and dad and tell them goodbye. But then I am going to come and follow you. So Elijah tells him, you know what? Go ahead and go. Thinking all the while. I know purpose was just placed on him. He'll be back. He'll be back. 
Not, 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 not like the one in our text that was not going to really commit. This guy, there was some determination. He was eager to get home so he could be eager to leave. Here we see a different level of commitment. Here we see someone who is going to kiss mom and dad goodbye. Here is where it was more than just about plowing for Elisha. Because what he does next is the game changer. For the verse 21 it says, And he returned back from him. And he took the yoke of oxen. And he slew them. And he boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen. And gave unto the people and they did eat. And then he arose and went after Elijah. What are you saying? I'm saying he went and he got all his work he was caught up in. All the things he was doing. And he said, I'm burying it. I'm burning it. I'm destroying it. Because I have no intentions of coming back. I am committed to the cause. I am committed to whatever I'm about to walk into. And I want you to know and God to know I'm not coming back to this. Like that woman with the alabaster box not opening up politely. I'm breaking it. I'm leaving no room to go back. I'm saying I'm all in God. I'm not hesitating. I'm not waiting another moment. I'm not tiptoeing in the pool saying, oh, I don't know about that. I'm looking for somebody that just dives in and says, I want to be a part of it. I want to be involved in the work of God. I want to commit my heart, my mind, my spirit, my energy, my talents, everything I've got to give back to God. I'm that committed. I am that committed. I'm calling out tonight for a people to get committed again, to burn your oxen, to cross that line in the sand, and to go all in and all out for Christ. Maybe you haven't prayed like you know how to pray. Maybe you haven't fasted like you know how to fast. Maybe you haven't been plowing like you know how to plow and planting seed like you know how to plant and watering like you know how to water. You haven't taught Bible studies in so long. You haven't fasted in so long. I'm challenging you again tonight. Take hold of that plow with purpose. Take hold of that plow committed and get a look of determination about you and get refocused and say, this isn't about me. It's about the kingdom. This isn't about me. This is about the harvest. And I've got to get serious about living for God again. Paul writes in Titus, he said in the Amplified Bible, in a similar way, urge the young men to be sensible and self-controlled and to behave wisely, taking life seriously. I've got to take life seriously. Peter Five at first Peter five and eight in the Amplified. He said, Be sober, well balanced, self disciplined, be alert and cautious at all times. Why? Because that enemy of yours, the devil, he is prowling around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. What's he saying? He said, I want you to know tonight that lion, he's committed. He's committed. He's not in a hurry. 
It says he is walking around waiting and watching on looking for someone he can devour. He is on the prowl. That lion is committed. The LGBTQ is committed. Hollywood is committed. Our politicians are committed. Our own flesh is committed. And if all of these other people and all of our world and all of these other groups have gotten together and they have rallied together and they have gotten committed together and the church of God sits on their hands and sits on the bench waiting on somebody else to do something, what in the world is God going to do next? He's going to say, no, I'm going to look for somebody else that will go out there and push back. I'm going to look for somebody else on the bench that's willing to go out there and say no you got to make room for us we've got to win this thing we've got to be victorious we've got to work that we are doing and I am pushing back tonight we better wake up we better pay attention we better get committed everyone else is all these other groups they are wholehearted committed to what they are doing And it's time for God's people to say, you know what? God's kingdom is worth fighting for. The church of the living God is worth me committing to and doing my part every day to put on the whole armor of God and say, I'm ready to war. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to pray. I'm ready to fast. I'm ready to commit myself again. You say, what does it matter? Oh, it makes all the difference in the world. I know you're tired, but you must remember you committed. I know you're weary, but you must remember you committed. You gave your life to Christ. He purchased you with his own blood. You agreed and said, God, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'm not here to put you on a guilt trip tonight and say you haven't been fulfilling the call that God put on your life. That's between you and God. But I am telling you tonight as a whole, as the body of Christ, we have got to get committed again to what we are doing. We're not here wasting our time every Sunday and Wednesday and trying to come up with cute programs and bring the circus to town to entertain you and have a good time. What we are doing matters. What we are doing is so important. What we are doing is vital for our future and for the call and the gospel to go forth. We're counting on your commitment. Your kids are counting on your commitment. And I know it hasn't gotten any easier. And you thought by now God would have already come. You thought you would have never had to suffer like you've suffered. and That the toll was only temporary. You thought the wall you've been marching around would have already fallen by now. But let me remind you tonight. It doesn't get easier on the last five miles of your marathon. It ain't getting easier for a boxer in his last round of the fight. Oh, I feel better now. I can really take him out. No, you're weary. You're tired. You're worn. And that would be a time you'd like to go sit down. That would be a time you would like to go recompose yourself. And say, I know we've only got a 30 second break here, but I could use about 30 years. But there's got to be something inside some of you that when you're in that fight and that bell goes off, that you pour everything you've got into that last round. And you say, this may be my last rodeo.
This may be my last time to pray. This may be my last time to come into the house of God. And if it is, I'm going to give it everything I've got. I'm going to contend. I'm going to fight with every last breath that I have. I'm going to give God my all. I'm going to lay a doll on the line because I'm committed. I'm not leaving this place without victory. I'm not leaving this place without healing. I'm not leaving this place without breakthrough tonight. Let's all stand all over this house tonight. The question must be asked tonight, are you committed? The children of Israel were given a promise that they would see their wall collapse at Jericho. They were given instructions day one through day seven. Sounds easy enough. But don't you know that by a couple of days, they were so tired of seeing the same thing happen over and over again. Oh, I've been here before. I've been in a service like this before. This is nothing new. Had good worship, good preaching, good move of God. Same old, same old. Nothing's really changed. I haven't seen any bricks start falling, have you? I haven't felt any ground shaking, God moving. None of that's happened yet. And, and quite frankly, I'm tired of going in circles. I'm getting a little dizzy. It would have been really easy by day four or five to say, you know what? There's been no sign of change. Nothing's happened. I'm going to pack up and go home. I'm going to go. I'll, I'll watch online. I'll watch from afar. I'll just participate somewhere else. We give and we give and we give and yet we see the same stuff every day. Never making any progress. It's like being on a carousel. We're in this and going nowhere. But what would it have been like if one of those had walked away? Sitting in their home that day or perhaps nearby. And on day seven, on that seventh time around, when they heard somebody else shouting. And they heard those trumpets blowing. And they heard great rejoicing. And that one that didn't cross the line. And that one that didn't participate. And that one that wasn't committed. Would have missed out on victory. And now instead of that wall being brought down. They have built another wall. And put themselves in that. And now they not only have the wall of Jericho. But their own personal wall they've built around themselves. Because nothing was ever changing. But those who are committed. You hear me tonight. There's going to come a day. Where you're going to go around that wall. That seventh time on that seventh day. You just thought you've been able to say something now. And worship now. And praise now. And we've just thought we've seen your greatest shout. We just thought we saw you run the aisles. The best we've ever seen you run the aisles. And worship like we've never seen you worship before. But what about that day? On that seventh time around. And you said. "Uh, I'm still here. I didn't go home. I didn't turn back. 
and long for that day. I've been longing for this day. Because this is the day he said, I'm going to get to shout. This is the day I'm going to get to lift my voice. This is the day that wall I've been up against is going to fall. When the rain hasn't fallen and you're a hundred years into building the ark, that's committed. When you're told if you don't bow, you're going to be thrown into the fire and you still refuse to bow, that's committed. When you're told that if you pray, you're going to be thrown into a den of lions and you still get down in your Holy Ghost defiance and you pray, that's commitment. When you've shown up faithfully even after losing a loved one, and you've continued to live for God and continue to serve God. That's commitment. When you're exhausted because you've worked all week long and it's been tormenting and you've gone through hell in your home and you're still here tonight worshiping, lifting your hands. That's commitment. When your children are so very lost but you're still praying every day, that's commitment. When the wall you've been waiting on to fall still has not fallen and the healing you've been waiting on still hasn't come. Your marriage you've been praying for still seems over and the child you've been praying for still has not arrived. The promise that you've been waiting on still hasn't happened and yet you're still here because you're committed. You're committed. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 in the message says, So, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, you say it. What does that look like to you? If you're serious about living this life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things with His perspective. Get purpose again. Get your eyes fixed again. I'm not backing down. I'm going somewhere. Greater Life Church, are you committed tonight? Are you committed to the call of God on your life? I open these altars tonight for the committed. I open them tonight for those wanting to recommit. God, like a couple, renewing their vows. I'm here again, renewing my commitment to you. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I'm going to give you my very best. Ha ta la la mo yo sa ta la 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 ha ka ta ya ha. 